uh, so much. This morning, I want you to turn not only to the passage of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, but in your bulletin is a little insert, is a little yellow insert. And if you use the Open Windows devotionals, you're going to see that that is one of the devotionals for this quarter. It's from October the 6th of this year, of last month. And I just want you to hold on to that for just a minute. But again, open, if you will, your Bibles to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 13 in just a moment. Please pray with me and ask God to, to speak. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we talk about your call to being holy as you are holy, Lord, I feel so unworthy to stand before your folks and share this message because of the struggle that I have every day in serving you and living like your son. And Father, that struggle comes not because you're not faithful and not because your spirit is not powerful enough to help me turn away from sin and to resist temptation, but Father, like I'm sure all of the church family, I struggle with my sinful desires. And so often I want to be in control and of still allowing you to be in control. And so, Father, even in the midst of our struggles and my struggle, Lord, help us today to hear from the Word of God. Thank you for this man, Peter, that you inspired to write these words to the early church, not only to that early church, but to churches of 2013. And, Lord, give us ears and hearts and minds that will hear the Word of God today. And Lord, may we be challenged to be holy as you are holy. Bless and be in our midst in these moments, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Once again, I want to read these verses out of First Peter, and I'm going to be reading them out of the Living Bible because, again, I think it just puts it in a fresh perspective and makes a little bit of things a little bit clearer for us, okay? This is the third sermon on God's call calls us to be holy. But listen again to what the Word of God says, okay? Verse 13. So now you can look forward soberly and intelligently to more of God's kindness to you when Jesus Christ returns. Folks, you remember the first Sunday we started talking about this. One of the things that I challenged you to do was read First and Second Peter. Uh, if I remember right, eight chapters... I think it's 166 or 188 verses. I forget. And you can read that in a week's time. And folks, there is the element. There's so many things that Peter tries to tell that early church, but one of the things that he knows is going to happen is that Christ is going to come back. And folks, that's something I hope that you and I as Christians truly believe. If Jesus does not return, he is a liar because he said he would come back. And folks, when he comes back, we're going to be taken home to be with him. And I hope we'll not hear the Lord say, why weren't you holy like I am? Why didn't you at least try? Why didn't you give it your best shot? And I'm saying those things to myself. You're going to have to be patient with me. I've got some sinus drainage this morning, okay? Verse 14, obey God because you are his children. Isn't that a good reason? We love him because he first loved us. Don't slip back into your old ways. Peter's so practical here. 
And one of the great temptations for you and I as the children of God is simply to slip back into the ways that we were held captive by before we came to know Christ as our Savior. Doing evil because you knew no better. Peter looks back at the past. Move away from the past. But be holy now. This very moment. Be holy now in everything that you do just as the Lord is holy who invited you to be his child. We've talked about how our example of holiness is God the Father and Jesus the Son. Here again, verse 16, He Himself has said, You must be holy, for I am holy. That's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. God speaks these words to His children. Verse 17, And remember that your Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites when He judges. He will judge you with perfect justice for everything you do, so act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. And let me point something out. In verse 15, he says, Be holy now. And in verse 17, he says, Act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. Peter is saying to that early church, to those early believers, each day, every moment, we are to act holy as God is holy. And again, I've asked this question so many times, is God serious about this? Is God serious about you and I living holy lives? Well, let me answer you in this way. Listen to what Peter says in verse 18. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. That impossible road was getting to heaven by good works. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we're saved by grace, not works, lest any man should boast. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. But only recently was he brought into public view in these last days as a blessing to you. Now again, and I'm going to mention this later, Peter is probably writing these words about 30 years after the death and burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And Peter is trying to make the point that Jesus came as a man and for it is estimated three years. Jesus lived on this earth. Uh, He lived more than three years, but for three years he gave public ministry as to who he was. Peter is saying we need to live a holy life because Jesus has given himself for us and delivered us from our sins and given us salvation. Verse 21, because of this, your trust is can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. So folks, let's pick up where we left off last week. Before we go any farther, we need to define according to the word of God what the word holy means. And folks, this series of sermons actually was inspired by this devotional on October the 6th. And I know that you can read, but folks, again, I think it is worth our time, and I pray that the Spirit of God will take this devotion that was written from these verses that I've just read, especially verse 15, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Just read with me or follow along as I read this devotional. In a famous Muppet song, Kermit croned, It's not easy being green. It's never easy to be different from everybody else. 
People tend to magnify the things that set us apart as weird or odd. We try to hide the obvious peculiarities. We want to blend in and be accepted. Folks, as I read this, it just absolutely cut me to the heart. On a day-to-day basis, do we want people to see Christ in us or do we want to just simply fit in and not create any tension in relationships or no ripples in the water? Folks, if we follow Jesus Christ, it's going to be a very difficult life. It's going to be a very different life. Let me get back on track. The second paragraph. The problem is, as followers of of Jesus, God desires that we be set apart. There should be something different about those who follow Christ that sets us apart from the rest of the world. Holiness is a big word requiring purity of thought and action. Now listen to this next sentence. The world needs to see that we are different, we are distinct, and we are set apart for God. But we're not holy in and of ourselves. Now listen to this next sentence. Our holiness is the result of the holiness of God. We are holy only in relation to Him. Only as the living Lord lives in us do we become holy. Folks, we cannot fight the battle against sin and temptation and the desire for self-control by ourselves. We'll falter and we'll fail. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. But as we yield ourselves more and more to Christ, as God takes control and command, we become more and more like a son. On our own, we can never measure up to God's standard of holiness. A holy lifestyle requires obedience to God and His Word. Let me tell you something. We cannot leave the Bible outside of our lives if we want to live holy lives for Christ. We must study and understand and live and seek more and more to feed on the Word of God. We pursue the person in the presence of God who has revealed Himself in the Scripture. It is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God is a standard by which we measure our own efforts to live with holiness. Let me read that again. God is a standard by which we measure our own efforts to live with holiness. Folks, don't compare yourself to somebody else. I mean, as bad as we are, we can always in our minds find somebody worse than we are, can't we? Sometimes we feel that way about our spouses, don't we? Let's, let's be honest. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly or silly here. Have you ever compared your, you know, you said, well, I wouldn't do that. You're living wrong. Folks, we need to look at ourselves. Don't cast the splinter out of somebody else's eye if you've got a beam or log in your own. And, folks, this is where the concept of holiness really begins to take shape. It's when we stand before the judgment x-ray of God. We talked about this last week. And let God reveal our personal sins to us. Like a soldier dresses for battle, we wrap ourselves up in the holiness of God, ready for what the day may bring. We strive to maintain a holy way of life until Jesus returns. And as most of the, as probably all of the devotions in the open windows end, listen to this prayer. Father, I acknowledge my sin before you and ask you to make me holy even as you are holy. Would we dare pray that prayer? That's a tough prayer to pray, isn't it? Well, folks, as we move on, let me point out ten characteristics of a holy person. 
Some of these I'm going to have scripture with, some I'm not, okay? And these are just some random things that I think that we find in the book of First Peter, First and Second Peter, and also in the New Testament. And I'm sure that there are many, many more that should be added to this, but just listen, if you would, and let the Word of God speak to you and the Spirit of God speak to you. Characteristics of a holy person. Number one, a holy person is not an odd person, but a different person. Therefore, a Christian's life has a quality about it that is different. Now, let's be honest. As we look at others around us who profess faith in Christ, can't we see where they're living a holy life and when they're caught up in themselves? You can see that in your own pastor, can't you? Folks, God has called us to not be like the world, but be transformed by the power of God. Not conformed to the world, but transformed by the power of God. And folks, in reality... We're not the ones that are odd. The ones that are disobeying the gospel and rejecting the gospel are the ones that are really odd because all of us have been created in the image of God. And you remember what Marvin Suit said uh, during revival, that the desire to know God and worship God is factory-installed equipment. I thought that was one of the most dynamic things that he said. It is in our nature because we're created in the image of God to want to know Him and want to know Him. And then after we trust Christ as our Savior and know how much He loves us and is given for us and the power that He can give to us, it should be in our nature to want to be like Him instead of still in control. The second characteristic of a holy, holy person, a Christian's lifestyle is not only different from their past way of life, but is different from the lifestyles of unbelievers around them. Amen. And folks, again, and I'm going to talk about this especially in just a moment, a little bit later. How often do we as Christians fall back into the ways that we were before we were saved? We need to, de- need to understand that when we were saved, God delivered us from that old man, that pre-Christ nature, what the Bible calls the works of the flesh. And Christ, by his power, can make us that new man. And so we need to be separated from our past, and we need to separate ourselves from the lifestyles of the unbelievers around us. Now, folks, let me point out again. We are not to separate ourselves from others. We are to love those that do not yet know Christ, but we are to not to accept their way of life and live that lifestyle because we are living for who? We're living for Jesus Christ. We are new creation in Him. A third characteristic of a holy person, to be holy means we are to be like our Lord and Master, Jesus. You remember as we read this, and, and I think it's uh, very important, and, and we're probably going to read it again later, where well, we are going to read it in just a minute. So let me, let me get... But what I want to say is that Jesus was sinless. Now, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself, folks. You and I can only be victorious over sin as we yield to Christ and yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, to be holy means to reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father. And listen to these words out of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And again, I'm going to be reading this out of the Living Bible. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn to know Him better and better. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. 
And folks, I believe what Peter's trying to tell us, holiness in us is the work of God in us. And we cannot make ourselves holy. Only God can do that. And so often, again, we falter and fail because we try and do it ourselves. This is something we've absolutely got to surrender over to God and let him do in us. And listen to verse 4. And by that same mighty power. What is that mighty power? It is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember Jesus said, when I leave you, I'm going to send the counselor or comforter. You and I understand that to be the Spirit of God, which is truly the, the power of God. By this same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us and to give us his own character. Folks, again, what are we talking about? We're talking about being holy as God is holy. We're talking about having the same character as God and his son have. How can that happen in our life? By yielding completely and totally to him and being empowered by his Holy Spirit. And listen to the fifth characteristic. And I know some of this perhaps sounds repetitious. In Christ, the new creation of Christ and our Heavenly Father is placed in the believer as we submit to his lordship. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes, and this is one of the most monumental verses I believe that Paul ever wrote. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. And if there was ever an example of a man being changed completely inside out, it was the Apostle Paul. And you remember, we studied about him. We've read his testimonies as he stood before Agrippa and others about the man he was before he met Christ and the man he was in the power and strength of Christ. Folks, again, Paul and Peter were living in the image of Christ. And the apostle Peter's life became living proof of being a new man in Christ. And let me ask you, as a believer, and again, remember these words are written to the church in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the words are spoken to the nation of Israel. God's people, are we a new creation in Christ? Did we get saved and then just walk away from the Lord? We know that our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but as far as living for Christ on a day-to-day basis, we feel that we can't do it. Folks, if God can save us, he can also give us strength to be holy. Listen to the sixth characteristic. Holy also means to be set apart for service of God. Each one of us. There's not a one of us that is not given a place of service in the kingdom of God if we're seeking to be holy. That also means to be set apart. Number seven, and again, this might sound repetitious, to be holy means that we are under new management. Amen? Amen. When Jesus Christ comes in, guess who gets kicked off the throne of our hearts? Self, sin, Satan. And who is placed on the throne of our heart? The Lord Jesus Christ. And again, perhaps some of the older members have seen, you remember the, uh, I think it was the Navigators who came out with the track, The Four Spiritual Laws? And it has a little diagram in there of a person before they trust Christ and a person afterward. And the difference is Jesus is reigning and ruling in the Christian's heart. And before Christ came in, sin and self and Satan were reigning. But folks, so often 
And sometimes we don't realize we've done it until we've fallen back deeply into sin, but we move Jesus off the throne of our heart. But to be holy means that sin no longer has dominion over us and we're under new management. And this is how Paul describes it in Romans 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh as a person. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Number eight, being holy is our responsibility as Christians in our inward self where Christ abides in our outer walk. Folks, you remember when we studied John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. When Jesus comes in our heart, it changes our inner person. We don't think the same anymore. Our motives are not the same. Folks, we become a whole new person on the inside, and that inward change also translates into an outward change. Amen? But folks, let me ask you something. You've heard that old expression, and again, perhaps I've got a lot of old expressions this morning, that that person talks to talk but doesn't walk to walk. Folks, it's so easy to come to this place and act Christian, and I do this myself, But when we leave this place, it is our responsibility because we are seeking to be holy like our Savior and like our Creator that our inward life where Christ abides and our outward walk are symbolic of being under new management. And listen to number nine. And folks, if you were here last Sunday, it burdened me that I don't want you guys thinking I'm trying to stand up here and just hammer holiness on you. Because folks, this is the truth out of the Bible. Absolute holiness for the believer cannot be achieved in this life. All of us still have that sin nature that wants to rise and take over. Can and, and, and I'm not asking you to do this because I'd have to preach on lying next week, okay? But is there any born-again believer that since you become a Christian who has not sinned? As long as we're living on this earth that is controlled, it seems, by Satan and his army, we're going to struggle with daily battling sin. And all of us are going to falter and fail. Absolute holiness cannot be achieved in this life, but God expects all areas of our lives to be in the process of being completely conformed to God's will and plan for us. And that is the biblical concept of a big word called sanctification. And folks, here's the good news. When we falter and fail and sin, this is 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, say this with me. Probably many of you know this verse by, by memory. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The good news is that when we sin, Christ forgives. But it is always God's desire and intention for us that we strive to live holy lives for him and folks that leads us to the next one the final one the tenth thing look at this a holy person struggles throughout their christian life 
but does not surrender to Satan's self or sin, but keeps going back to Christ for more strength. And folks, this is, this is one of the most important things I, I want you to hear this morning. Folks, when we falter and fail, and we will, we're going to struggle. How many of us have sinned already this morning? And, and again, see, we have such a, a flippant attitude towards sin. Well, everybody else is doing it. I've been doing this for years. It, it doesn't bother God. It must not. He hadn't done anything to me yet. He might not have done anything to you, but you've done something in your relationship with God. We talked about that last week. You remember? When we sin, we don't lose our relationship with God. We lose our fellowship with God. But listen to this. A holy person struggles throughout the Christian life but does not surrender to Satan, self, and sin, but keeps going back to Christ for more strength. What I'm about to tell you is a true story, and y'all might think I'm getting a little bit more crazy than normal, okay? Two weeks ago, as I was traveling somewhere, I was listening to, to the Lynchburg station, to Christian radio, and, and there was a lady speaking about... Living for Christ is like being in a boxing match. And the lady said, and many of us do not make it to the last round. I want to tell you something. That absolutely grabbed me. Living the Christian life is like being in a boxing match, but many of us do not make it to the last round. Let me read some scripture to you that we've already read. 1 Peter 1.15. Listen to this. 1 Peter 1.15. But be holy now in everything you do just as the Lord is holy. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Right now, be holy as the Lord is holy. And then look at this is 1 Peter 1.17. The last part of verse 17. So act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. And then listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, and you know this verse well. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now again, I'm telling you a true story. After I heard that woman say that about many Christians don't make it to the last round, I want to tell you one thing. That challenged me and it convicted me. And I began to think about that every single day. Will I finish the fight? Will I finish the race? Will I keep the faith? And that thing got under my skin so much. And again, I promise you that this is a true story. Last Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, I dreamed that I was to be in a boxing match with someone. And, and you know how you remember the main part of the dream? I don't remember who the person was I was going to be fighting. I, I, I can't remember if it was a church member or somebody in the community. But that person had a good reputation of being a trained fighter and boxer. And in my dream, I began to dread the fight. I don't want to do that. And then I got to that point where I didn't want to fight. But in the dream, I got in the boxing match, and guess what? I got knocked out in the first round and did not finish the fight. And that's when I woke up and I remembered this verse, 2 Timothy 4, 7. 
and, and the darkness there laying in the bed, I started thinking these thoughts. Will I finish the fight for Christ? Will I finish the race for Christ? Let me point something out. Paul doesn't say that he finished first or second or five hundredths, but he said, I finished. I finished the race. And he said, I kept the faith. And I began to wonder, will I keep the faith? Will I seek to be holy for the Lord until he calls me home? And I hope you're saying, well, why is he telling us that crazy dream story? Because, folks, I think there's application for you and I as Christians. And I want to ask you, and I'm asking myself, what round are we in in the fight to be holy? Are we in the fight... Are we fighting the good fight for Christ? We know from the Word of God that Christ wants us to be holy. He wants us to be different from the world. He wants us to follow His example. But let me ask you something. Have you and I been knocked out in the first round of the fight? And I'm going to ask some very, I think these are very personal and very powerful questions. After being saved, did we try to be holy like the Lord was in the first time that we hit a bump in the road and we failed and we sinned, we gave up? Many of us have been Christians for many, many years. Have we gone back into the old sin that was a part of our life before trusting Christ? Are we living like pre-Christ nature or in the image of the glory of God? Have we gotten out of the fight altogether? And is there hope for us if we've been knocked out? Y'all give me, I know y'all get tired of hearing me say this. Y'all give me just a couple more minutes because I am just about to get excited about this part of the sermon, okay? And I'm fighting this sinus mess, and I don't seem very excited this morning, but I am. But let me tell you something. Last Sunday morning, we read about Peter the night that Jesus was tried. And folks, I want to read I want to read that account to you. Just listen as I read it. We don't have this on the screen. I, we don't have this on the screen. But I want to go back and read it from last week. This is Matthew 26, verse 69 to 75. Now, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. Remember last week we said Peter's going to get farther and farther away from the Lord being tried. Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and the maid came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. What an opportunity and witness Peter had to share his faith in Christ. And when he went out to the porch, he's moving from the courtyard to the porch. Another maid saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. Again, a tremendous opportunity to tell the people who Jesus was. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you also were one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the cock crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, would you say that Peter got knocked out in the first round? I would. And I think Peter would also. But folks, let me read another passage of Scripture. And this is going to be on the screen. Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 13. 
And what I want you to do is see the change in this man, Peter. Okay? A man who is crippled, and, and this is earlier, a man who is crippled has come up to Peter and asked for silver or gold, or he has asked for silver or gold as, as Peter and John go into the, to the temple area. And they say, we don't have any silver or gold, but what we have, we give to you. And they, through the power and in the name of Christ, heal this man from being crippled. Probably 40 to 50 days. Don't know how many days after the resurrection and then the ascension of the Lord. And listen what happens to Peter and the others. On the morrow, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who are of the priestly family. Hold that slide right there, Steve. It never dawned on me that these are the same, basically the same people that Peter and John are standing before that Jesus stood before on the night of his trial. And surely these folks... These Jewish leaders had heard about that man, Peter, who stood on the outside denying the Lord. And surely they'd said, what a joke. You call those disciples? He had 12. One betrayed him. Ten ran off and hid, and we can't find them. And one is standing outside, but is distancing himself from Jesus and getting farther and farther and farther away from owning up to being a part of that band that followed him. They knew who Peter had been. But listen to verse 7. When they set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or what name did you do this? And I love verse 8. Then Peter filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Folks, that's the power of God on an individual's life. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, can you imagine he had been so scared tonight of Jesus' trial, and I think he's standing up and he is ready to get down and get dirty. Pardon me for being that way and saying that. Not dirty in the sense of immoral or anything like that. He's ready to rumble, y'all. He might have got knocked down on that night that Jesus was tried, but he knows that Jesus is the resurrected Lord, that he has ascended into heaven, he's coming back again, and he's ready to die for the cause of Christ. And he wants people to see Jesus in him, not that crusty old fisherman. A great change has been happened, has taken place. What has happened? He has become holy as the Lord is holy. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if you are examining today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here well. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, but who has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now listen to this. This is their reaction to Peter. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they wondered. And listen to the last phrase. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
What was the difference? This man is set apart for the work of God. This man is a sinner and he knows that, but he has been changed by this man that they put to death on a cross, but he was raised on the third day. And after 40 days, he ascended back into heaven and he said, Fellas, I'm coming back. And Peter wanted to tell the story of that man. And folks, let me, let me point something out. So often when God, God starts laying a burden on our heart to do something, we say, well, look, I can't do that. I'm not trained. I'm not equipped. Look at the difference here, folks. These religious, educated leaders perceive these are uneducated, common men. Folks, holiness, holy lives trump education and status in society. And folks, some of the most powerful witnesses for Christ I know are not the educated and trained theology people, but the people who have given themselves wholly and completely to Jesus Christ and are trying to live a holy life. And folks, this is what this is all about. It's not just a set of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. It is about allowing the Lord who has saved us to live in us and rule over us and live through us. Amen. And that's what a holy life is, is all about, man. You know, I, I told you all the first Sunday, when God started laying this burden to preach these messages, I thought, Lord, I don't want to do this. These folks know the struggle I have. But folks, I'm here to tell you, if God could take a man who denied him three times and turn him into a preacher under the power and the Spirit of God, in which 3,000 people were saved at one time. He can work in every one of our lives. And He can work in this church. But we've got to surrender to Him. Be holy as I am holy. Let's pray together. Father, we want to be like Your Son. We want to be obedient to your command and expectation to be holy as you are holy. But spiritually speaking, Father, you can see how bruised we are and how beat up we are. We've tried to fight against Satan and sin and self under our own strength. And oftentimes we've been laid out. But Father, help us to make a new commitment. Maybe we need to do like Peter. Maybe we need to simply go out and weep bitterly. Thank you that even though that night was so hard for Peter, on that resurrected morning, you sent for him and loved him. Father, I pray that you'll help us as Christians and as a church to make new commitments to be holy. Lord, we don't want to turn people away from you. We want to turn people to you. So, Father, we pray that the power that you promised would come not only upon those disciples, but the power that would come upon us. Lord, that it would be real in our hearts and lives. It would direct our paths. And that as those religious leaders saw in Peter and John, may when people see us, they recognize 
that we have been with Jesus. Have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 161, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. The altar's open. You don't have to speak to me. But if you need to come, if you've been beat up, if you've been knocked out, the Lord wants to pick you and me up and give us new strength to be holy as he is holy. If he leads you, please come.